0: After a depressing few weeks for Iowa basketball, things are slowly kind of turning around for Fran McCaffrey and his Hawkeye basketball program. David Eichel, along with Sean Bach, to break down the latest regarding Iowa basketball. And, Sean, we knew this was going to be a busy offseason, but I really don't think either of us could have predicted just how much things were going to change over the last month or so. Obviously, we'll find out the immediate future of, of Joe Wieskamp here soon, what he wants to do with the NBA. CJ Frederick as we've already previously discussed is transferring Luca Garza's gone Jack Nungie's gone uh but the journeyman returns Jordan Bohannon announced today that he will be returning for a, a sixth season of college basketball and I believe he'll have the record for the most games played ever by a college player which again isn't really surprising when you think back to everything but it's still kind of still kind of crazy to uh to sort of think about and on top of that too Iowa did get it's big man that they so desperately needed with North Dakota transfer, big man, Philippe Rabracha. Uh, Sean, we got a lot to dive into, but I think we got to start with the most pressing issue. I want your take on it first. Uh, I know we've covered this extensively on HawkeyeInsider.com, but Jornbo hands back and, it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by the reaction of people, but I, I only see this as good things for Iowa basketball with his return.
1: Yeah. I think based on the circumstances, that I think that's why a lot of people reacted in a positive light. I know that you know when he came out with that tweet initially, saying if he doesn't pass, if this bill doesn't get passed, and he's not going to come back, and people are like, oh, you're selfish. Like I see, I see where those people are coming from. I also see Jabo's perspective of it. But I think what we've heard too, Dave is that this this was need. Like Iowa needed yep. Jabo out of necessity. With CJ going, I think Jordan going to the two and playing that shooting guard spot and letting Joe Toussaint play on the ball. I think that's probably the best thing for this team. And I think that makes this team a little more dangerous offensively than we expected going into next year. And I talked about too in an article, I just wrote that offensively, this team is going to take a big step back. And that's kind of what we expected as well with the expectation that Wieskamp goes to the NBA draft and the knowledge that, um, or every uh, the thing that everyone knew with Garza leaving and Frederick, who I mean, caught some people by surprise during the offseason, him leaving, especially because he was going to take that on that big offensive role, big scoring perimeter shooter role next year. Him leaving definitely leaves a void in the backcourt and just in the in the numbers department, in the scoring department. So getting behind him back, I think definitely from an offensive standpoint is a huge plus. There's no doubt about that, especially with him playing the two, I think. That gives Joe Toussaint more freedom at the one and even Aaron Eulis there at the one that I think can work with this lineup. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it's, I just think it's out of necessity without a doubt. And I think, you know, I've thought about it a lot. I think it's a good move for both sides. I think it makes sense, but I could see where some of the backlash I I've, I've just been going back and forth on it. Like I could see where some of the backlash is, but I could see like, how this could be good.
0: Here's what I'll say. Fran McCaffrey does not take Jordan Bohannon back from this standpoint. If CJ say it's here's thing, let me rewind. It's a perfect combination of things that brought Jordan Bohannon back for a sixth year, because we'd been hearing for the last couple of weeks, Sean, this reporting was accurate, by the way, he wasn't going to come back. He even, you know, he kind of made that clear. And, you know, when the people we were talking to in the know, they pretty much made that clear. Once CJ left, everything changed. Iowa needed, needed to get Jordan Bohannon back because, again, there's a lot of good things about this next year's team as far as potential and everything, but that who, who can shoot? I mean, Sean, you look down the list, who's the best shooter? Keegan Murray from deep? Peyton Sanford? Patrick McCaffrey? I, I mean, because – that, that's sort of my thing, too. And if Jordan was coming back to play the one, I think I'd have a real hard time seeing Aaron Uless and Joe Toussaint stay, okay? I mean, I I and I and I wouldn't. I don't think anybody would blame either one of them if they elected to move on. But with Jordan playing the two, he's going to be the more uh, focal point of this offense, along with Robracha, along with Keegan Murray. I think this is a very, very good move. And the whole selfish thing really doesn't make sense to me. Think about this. Jordan didn't have to come back. He he didn't. He, he's given five years this program. He played injured through four of them. If you think about it, with the shoulder uh, injury that he had last off season with the two hip surgeries with plantar fasciitis, his sophomore year, he's played through injuries. He had no reason to come back other than why wouldn't you come back for another year of college basketball? You, you know, everybody talks about college is the best, best years of your life. Why wouldn't you exercise as much eligibility as you can? I believe his brother, uh, Matt Bohannon on, I think it was the, on Iowa podcast with, with Michael Loss when they had all the Bohannon brothers together, he said, yeah, I would have gone back if I thinking back now, if I had another year, why wouldn't Jordan come back? It's fun. And on top of that too, with the way things sort of ended, it really was kind of a lackluster ending to what I think is one of the more iconic careers in Iowa history and Jordan Bohannon. I mean, and, and again, the selfish thing doesn't make sense. Think This is the same kid that missed the free throw for Chris Street. This is the same kid who who's done so much charitable work. This is the same kid who's been outspoken uh, about numerous issues. Uh, Tater tough. Uh, I mean, you could just really go down the list of things Jordan Bohan's done. So, again, from that standpoint, he didn't have to come back. But he also has every right to be selfish to come back. He It's his eligibility. It's his career. Who cares what everyone says? And on top of that, too, and this is the last point I really want to make about this, Sean, with name, image and likeness, everybody talks about, oh, he hates the NCAA. Why is he exercising his eligibility? Jordan's never been ungrateful for the opportunity to play college basketball. He's trying to make a change to be able to make money off his own name and not just for him, for every other athlete across the country. Think about how much money Caitlin Clark could be making right now. Think about how much money Spencer Lee can be making right now in name, image and likeness. And there's such a big misconception with it that the fact that people are trying to say, oh, he hates the NCAA. Why would he come back? It makes absolutely zero sense. And honestly, they probably should not be talking about the issue. Jordan, from our conversations with him uh, on the record, he's been nothing but grateful about the opportunity to play for the University of Iowa. And honestly, if he wants to continue fighting for name, image and likeness, I think it's a better move to be able to do it and stay within the NCAA system to be able to sort of continue that fight. So that's sort of my take on the whole thing. But even going into the immediate future and next year, I mean, this is going to help Iowa's offense desperately because I think I put on our board, Sean, man, if Jabo doesn't come back, you got, you know, Connor McCaffrey does a lot of really good things on the floor. Joe Toussaint does a lot of really good things on the floor. Tony Perkins, I thought, played really well at the end of the season. If you have all three of those guys on the floor at the same time, teams are not going to even step foot on the perimeter. They're going to make guys knock them down because they're just going to pack the paint and force Iowa to shoot.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think Keegan, I think that's going to be one of the big questions of the off season too, as well as the interior play is if Keegan can take that next step as a score. I mean, that's what he was known for coming into Iowa. It took a lot of people by surprise that he was the way he was with his versatility at that spot. And, you know, just all the little things he did. I think Chris Murray, can step into that role that Keegan played this year. And I also think Patrick McCaffrey can take on a big scoring role as well. So I think, and going back to Jabo bo as well, I think one of the things that I like about the move too is you have a guy like Tony Perkins backing him up at the shooting guard spot. Yeah, I think Tony's going to be a starter in due time, but his offensive game is not the level of Jabo. bo But Jabo's bos defensive ability is not the level of Tony Perkins along with the athleticism. Tony Perkins brings a different sort of dynamic to the floor. And if you're in, say, a game like Oregon where, you know, the matchup doesn't favor Bo Hannon, you can put Perkins on the floor and let him handle defensively, let him guard a quicker guard. I think that just matchup just works. And, you know, I know you don't want to base one game off of your thoughts on a certain player, but you look at the NCAA tournament, who are the teams that wound up winning? Baylor, who what 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 was good about Baylor? They were quick, played well together, had Two guards a that guards. could get in the lane, Two really guards. athletic. Yeah, really athletic. Same thing with same thing with Antaga. So you're going to need guards like that. And Tony Perkins brings it, not to the you know the offensive ability of say a Jalen Suggs or Jared Butler or any of those guys, but he brings something that Bohannon doesn't have defensively. And that could have been used in a game against Oregon. I'm not saying that would have been the difference because there's no way that would have been the difference based on the final score and if yep. you just watch that game. But I think it's a step in the right direction that you can kind of hang your hat on. You say, hey, Bohannon may not be may not match up well against this team. that we're playing, okay, let's put in Perkins who can guard multiple spots and guard a different matchup. And I think that's going to be one of the more interesting things too is how Bohannon can guard at the shooting guard's At the shooting guard position, consistently because I mean, what he's listed at six foot one, and it's not like he's a crazy quick athlete laterally. He's he's not six
0: one. You and I both stood next to him. He's not six one. I mean, I know he's listed that, but I I don't think he's six one, Sean.
1: That's yeah, that's fair. That's fair, (laughs) but you understand my point. That's just going to be very. That's going to be a very small backcourt, and the defensive upside for Bohannon is going to be limited. And I just don't. That's just where I think that's that's my big concern. But I, I feel better knowing that Tony Perkins is right behind him and can step in and if need be.
0: On top of that, too, Iowa just needs some veteran guys. Yeah, they have Connor McCaffrey, but think about Jordan moved on. And let's not, we'll get, we'll talk about Philippe here in a second. But I mean, who's next? Who's the most veteran guys after that? Sean Patrick McCaffrey, Joe Toussaint. Right. I mean, you talk about a, you go from one of the oldest teams in the country to one of the youngest teams in the country. Jordan's been around the block. I mean, this is a very good move just from an, a leadership standpoint and a guy who is on his, you know, second victory lap this upcoming year, as we call it. Um, but no, I, again, I, I think this is a very good thing for Iowa basketball. It definitely moves the needle a little bit. And again, they needed to be able to stretch the floor. And that's exactly what Bohannon does. Um, but that, any final thoughts about Bo Sean? I, I think I hit all my points that I don't understand this. You know, people talk about how he's selfish and, you know, if they want to go with that argument, I think Jordan's earned the right to be selfish. It's his career and it's his eligibility. So he's absolutely allowed to exercise his right to be able to, to stay and do what he wants to do.
1: Yeah. I, I had to agree with you on that. I, I think the move makes sense, but like I said before, I think, you know, there, there's reason to be concerned, but I think, you got to look on the optimistic side here. I think there's a lot of positives coming from it while the lim- while the negatives are pretty limited.
0: So talk about, you know, another positive for this Iowa basketball team, uh, North Dakota, big man, Philippe or You talk about a must need Sean. I mean, this was probably one of the most, most needed recruits I'll call it. No scene recruit slash transfer in the frame McCaffrey era. Like Iowa desperately needed to get a big man, that's exactly who they got uh, in Felipe Bracho. I mean, you, you look at his accolades. I mean, sixteen points, seven boards a game, thirty-six percent from three, over fifty percent from the field. I mean, this is a guy inside-outside player. He's proven it at the D1 level. Scored twenty-three points on Liam Robbins, who was probably one of the best post defenders in the Big Ten last year. Uh, again, I I think it's another big move for for Iowa and my whole thing was, Sean, if, if they didn't land Rebracha, I didn't exactly know where they were going to go next with it, but again, this is another veteran guy who's proved it. He's got two years of eligibility left, and I think that you're feeling a little bit more comfortable about next year's team with, with these two guys in the mix. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah,
1: most definitely. And I I understand the reason for concern with Rabacha. Um, You know, he's pretty versatile. He can play four through five Played more of the five in North Dakota because he didn't really have to play in a position. He was one of the taller guys in the Summit League and didn't shoot a lot of threes either. Only shot 41 threes. But I think that's something that might change a little bit at Iowa. Had some pretty good numbers in conference. I think he, uh, he averaged or he played 80 percent of his team's minutes in conference. Had Was was involved in um, 29.3 of possessions with that meaning like shots and um passing, rebounding, stuff like that. Had a pretty good offensive overall, offensive rating, offensive rebounding rating. Um, drew a lot of fouls as well. Got to the free throw line off and wasn't overly consistent from the free throw line. But I think that's an area he can improve. But yeah, you said, Dave, this was this was a vital pickup. Came down to the wire, Minnesota, Iowa. Iowa was able to sell him on, hey, you can come in and replace Luka Garza. And that that's appealing to anyone, especially with the success of, that Luka Garza have. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, Rabacha is going to have the next level impact of um, Luca Garza. Like he's going to average 18 or he's going to average 16 and eight, like he did North Dakota last year. No, that's, I don't think that's going to happen. I think a more reasonable stat line is probably 13 and seven, 12 and seven. You know, I could be wrong on that, but I just think that's where the, that's where the wins are taking me right now. Just because you look at Rabacha's game, he's got to take steps, development wise when it comes to physicality you watch his film and you know he was a decent finisher around the rim at times but there was often times where he kind of struggled to get the ball up and he was often get his shots blocked there were times where even defensively like he looked like he struggled down low you know his perimeter game was really impressive i i watched his film for a good um of time this weekend and i liked what i saw what he did in the perimeter i liked how he could take guys up the bounce i love how he can finish above the rim um, dunk on one foot run the floor do a lot of those things that you want to see out of a six foot nine six foot ten big man but just the interior play is where I'm a little I'm a little fuzzy I understand the take Iowa need this one I think Rick is is gonna have a big role for Iowa I think this is like you said a really really important gift for Iowa but just that interior plays weren't concerned and you know I think this goes back to Riley Mulvey as well in kind of a similar situation J-Bo and Tony Perkins, I think – I know Riley Moby still has a long way to go physically. I know he's really improved in that area too, but I think Ruparacic gives you that offensive output that you need. But I also think maybe he gives you a little more – a little more, let me say, ability defensively. I'm not – I think he's quicker than Garza. I'm not going to say, you know, he's better than Luka Garza or he's going to have a bigger impact than Luka Garza, but I think he could give you a little more both ways than Luka Garza did. And that means more defense, honestly, especially with pick-and-roll situations because I think rabaracha is going to be a lot more – a lot more uh, not willing, but I think a lot more able to do that in pick-and-roll situations because, you know, Garza was great. Great offensive player, gave his played his butt off on both ends of the floor. But I think anyone that watched Iowa basketball closely this year noticed how he wasn't very capable – of guarding a ball screen or hedging a ball screen with his movement. Yeah. Slow to get back. And, you know, that that's – that's like, every player is a knock. Like, I'm not saying, like, Luka Garza is a bad defender, but I just think Rabracha gives you more on the defensive side of the ball – or defensive side of the floor.
0: Yeah, and, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, and I think most people would. And I think, again, just to wrap up Luca Garza thing, Luca Garza also played a big impact in, in Gang rabracha I mean, Garza had a couple conversations with him. Uh, gave him his opinion on the program, what he could do. And even after he committed and after he signed, I mean, Garzo is, you know, tweeting at him, celebrating that he was taking over for Lucas. So I think, you know, you also got to make note of that. But like you said, I, I think Robracho I can give you something different as far as defending a ball screen. But that also helps when you have more athletic guards when you have Joe T, when you have Tony Perkins on the floor. Uh, Keegan Murray, I, I think is gonna be a better defender next year as well. And I think he showed a lot, obviously on film this year. Patrick McCaffrey needs to take a step forward in that area. I think he showed some really good things. He flashed at times defensively last year. He's got to make it more consistently. But I even though Iowa fans know these players, Sean, I think that the style of next year's team is going to absolutely surprise everybody. And just as far as the makeup, what the strengths and what the weaknesses are, just because I think it's going to be so different compared to everything else that that they've been accustomed to seeing over the past couple of years. I think they're going to take a – I mean, people might might overreact to what I'm about to say here, but I think you'll understand where I'm going with this, Sean. I think they're going to take a big step back offensively, and that's nothing against Frank McCaffrey's system. That's nothing against the talent. But that was just how historic last year's Iowa's offense was, and the reality is Iowa right now does not have the shooters to be able to be that same sort of team – but I also think that Iowa's going to take a big step forward defensively. I'm not saying they're going to be the most dominant team defensive team in the country, but I, I don't think it's going to be fair to call this team a bad defensive team next year. I think that if they can continue to work on the sets, improve the zone defense, and, and just naturally with more athleticism, they're not going to get beat as much by, by quick guards. Yeah, there'll be mismatches here and there, but as a team, the totality of the team – I mean, the defensive upside is so much higher with this team going in next year.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, concerned about the defense because what are we used to with Fran McCaffrey teams? We're used to high, high offensive teams. I think it was maybe 2012 was Fran's best defensive team at Iowa. Let me is look it either up real
0: quick. 2012 or it was 20 2014. I think it might
1: be um, twenty fourteen. On Ken it was twenty. It was twenty thirteen actually. Okay, they were so twenty fourth. Yeah, twenty fourth in defensive efficiency, and then twenty sixteen they were thirtieth in defensive efficiency, okay. which was the year that they were number one in the country for or top top whatever. I think they got to yeah. number
0: three or four.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. they yeah, it's going to be a little bit of different look and. You know, they had guys like Jared Uthoff on that other team, um, Mike Giselle, those guys, Peter Jock, those guys that could put that could put the ball in the bucket when they needed to. And I think that's going to be one of the big questions this year because, I mean, you lose at the top of my head. It's five, four, four of your five leading scores from last year, five of the six. No, well, Bohannon coming back. So you lose Garza. That's 24 points per game. You lose Frederick, who I know struggled to end the year, but he was putting up double digit double digit numbers before he got hurt. Yep. You have Weescamp, who was putting up 15 points a game. You lose Nunji, who is probably your most potent scorer coming off the bench. So that's a lot of guys that you had to replace that could go get you a bucket. And the past two years, we've seen Garza be the guy where Iowa can just look to him to get the ball inside. And, you know, they have a basket right there. So Who's gonna who's gonna be able to get you a bucket on this team? I think Keegan Murray is an option eventually. I like I said before, a lot of people forget that his best his best ability on offense was his shooting and scoring before it came to Iowa. Mm-hmm. bracha I think maybe he could be the guy eventually. I think J- Jordan Bohan obviously makes a lot of sense, but I think he's more like he can give you that on the perimeter. But I mean, outside of those three, that's where I'm kind of like, uh, like who can, did, did, who can did get you throw bucket?
0: Did you throw Patrick in there?
1: I did, but yeah. my thing is I just don't know if he's ready to take on that big score. I, I wrote I wrote my thing that he can maybe average – if he can average like 8 to 10, 10 to 12 points this year, that would be a huge step up. Yeah. But I just – I think 8 to 10 or 7 to 9 is more realistic.
0: Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. The thing I'll say, Patrick's giving an interesting case because obviously number one, how many minutes can he play? I mean, w- we saw him last year. It's not like, by the way, I think everybody knows this. I just want to say it again, just in case it's not about his conditioning. It's about just the, the health repercussions of, you know, you know, surviving uh, cancer when he was 14 years old. So he's really bowed back strong for that. He's, he's putting a lot of work to be able to do that, but something near the end of the year that caught my eye, Sean, about Patrick is once he got in the lane, he, he started to realize, Hey, I can get to the lane every single time. And I think he showed a nice, Array of moves down there. I think Rabracha could be an option as well. But again, he hasn't proven that the Big Ten level. I know he's proven that against a lot of teams. And I think he was consistent last year, especially. The only game he did not score, at least in double figures, was in the final game of the year against Oral Roberts. And we saw, you know, kind of how they ended up. So I think there are options on this team. I think the makeup's good, but. They just need to. It's all about they got to get out there and prove it. I think. I think if you look on paper, there's guys who have the opportunity to step up, but who is going to step up? And I think that's the big question that all of us have right now. And like you said, I, I think Jordan's gonna be able to give you everything he can on the perimeter, but I think it's ultimately going to be up to Keegan and Patrick to be able to step up and do that. Without a doubt, and I, I included more of my uh, my
1: piece. I'm not gonna say that he's gonna be a double digit point scorer. But I think another option off the bench potentially is Peyton Sanford, which is a way that he can spread the floor. I'm not going to say he's going to play 15 minutes a game. I think you can get him in the game eight to 10 minutes and see if he can hit a three or two and give your team a little bit of momentum. If he can do that, then an average like five or six points a game playing that limited time. I think that's, that's, that's encouraging. Now it's not nothing huge, but you know, it's something. And this team is gonna need all the offensive guys it can get, all the offensive scoring it can get, because while it's not gonna be the same level offensively, we don't we don't really don't know about defense yet. I think there's potential to be a lot better defensive team, but we just don't
0: know, you know? No, it's gonna be a long offseason speculating that, but any final note, Sean? I think we've kind of covered the basis of the positive news, but I'll say this as opposed to what 10 days ago, this the you know, it's looking more up than down. Uh, because it was looking—I don't want to say pretty bad—ten days ago, but it was not—it was—it was not looking good for next season, just based on everything they—they've lost. But I think, you know, I think Frank McCaffrey and them—I don't think they're done. I still think they need to be able to add one more piece to the puzzle. But I think that after losing as much as they have, I, I think they've done at least a good job responding. That. It, next year is going to be interesting regardless. That's that's all I can really say. I think the pieces are there, but it's about who can step up and take their game to the next level.
1: Yeah, I think this team could be a 7 or 8 in the NCAA tournament, but I could also see them not making the NCAA tournament. or making the NIT. I could see it going both ways, honestly.
0: Yeah. So, we'll, I mean, we'll obviously have plenty of time to talk about this. We'll be back in a few days, obviously, with the spring game finally coming up where the Iowa men's basketball team and the Iowa women's basketball team will be recognized After the practice, Luca Garza will be back uh, in Kinnick to get probably the most over uh, overdue ovation uh, in a long time, maybe in the history of Iowa athletics, uh, just because he didn't have fans all year. And Caitlin Clark will be able to get recognized in front of fans for the first time. So that should be interesting as well. Again, Swarmcast, David Eichholt, Sean Bach will have NFL draft coverage. Uh, plenty more about the spring game, Iowa basketball recruiting, and everything else. Hawkeyeinsider.com. Be sure to follow us at David Eichel at SBOC 247 at Hawkeyes on 247. Until then, we'll talk to you in a few days when we break down everything Iowa Hawkeye football going in the spring game. Thanks.